genuinely just thought of this now before pushing record, but I, I, I think about how funny it is that like the whole DreamWorks kind of cliche or like, uh, their signature is the character with the, uh, raised eyebrow and the smirk. Oh yeah. And I don't think any of these films have a character that does that in the, in the poster. I think I think that I think that doesn't start until what Shark Tale? Does Shrek yeah. do it? I mean, I mean, I guess you I know the, the protagonists it. of El Dorado and Sinbad are both very smirky characters. Yeah. I don't know that they're necessarily doing that in the poster. No, but you know what I mean. Like, but when, yeah, the the yeah. typical kind of templated smirk you know, in like posters. I, yeah, that's very much a. I think a Jerry Seinfeld B. When I think yeah. of it. Yeah. Because I don't think Shrek does it either. I think it might be just all yeah. the animal characters that look it's a mid, scarier mid than they It's a mid to should. late 2000s thing. It has that to really be. It takes off. Yeah, but oh, good lord. You know what? Let's just get into it. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel? You just want to... Well, just, let's go for it. Yeah, let's just, let's, you know, let's just jump into it, as Philip DeFranco would say. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Yeah, of course. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy. I'm Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. And on Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy, we take a trio of films and we talk about the good, the bad, and the weird surrounding them. And today, it's a bit different because the trilogy we're talking about is not actually a one, two, three, or really a thematic trilogy per se. Yeah, it's a trilogy based on subject matter, kind of. This is a trilogy that has signified a specific point in a studio's career which we are going to talk about today because we call that trilogy the Fall of 2D DreamWorks trilogy. It is three films in terms of Road to El Dorado in 2000, Spirit in 2002, or sorry, my bad, Spirit, <laughs> Stallion of the Cimarron, Thank you. and 2003, Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas. We wanted to, t- I mean, this was I. Th- this was definitely my idea. This was your I idea. Think... The idea was to kind of, you, you curated kind of this... Trilogy about sort of, I mean, I think you were, we were both kind of thinking, you know, okay, 2D animation is clearly not in vogue anymore in terms of blockbuster no. uh, animated animated films. And, you know, DreamWorks had a whole string in the early 2000s, kind of starting or taking off with Prince of Egypt. Mm-hmm. But then we realized, you know, Prince of Egypt was like the only one that was like actually successful. It's the only, it's the outlier of the four 2D films. Yeah. And I think we know why it was. I mean, the film is great. I will think I will still argue until the end of time that it's the best Moses film we've ever gotten. (laughs) Well, it's kind of, it's a four quadrants Bible picture. It, four yeah. quadrants, you know, old people, young people, men and women can all get into it. Mm-hmm. And it's... And it had a holiday release. It was like a Christmas release. Yeah, it, and it's a Bible movie. It's not preachy or like yeah. super Christian necessarily. It's, it's got great... It's got banger, a banger soundtrack. This, this is true. Great animation. The best modern example of how to do a biblical epic... In a from a non-Christian or a non-denominational right. company, right? And so we thought, why not talk about not that movie, <laughs> but instead the worst 2D animated yeah. movies that DreamWorks made? Well, we, we have an idea where we could probably talk about those in the future, but oh, yeah. that's another thing in all itself. But I think another reason why we wanted to do this, or at least I suggested it again, is because for the last month we have handled. Sheridan's films, which we we love two out of three of them, but they deal with very heavy subject matter. Mm-hmm. We went right into Army of the Dead, 
which is just its own thing that is just like kind of sad and gory and yeah. you know classic Snyder shit. Yeah, it's grim. Yeah, and then you get into the Conjuring, which is you know spooky, scary skeletons, demons, right. and the Warrens, and we're like. Maybe we should lighten it up a bit. It's summer. Let's yeah. be bright. Yeah, it's, Let's it's, brighten people's day with our content and not bring them down. No, yeah, it's the summer of odd trilogies. Yes. <laughs> and what better way to kick off that kind of summer of odd trilogies White than... White trilogy summer. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a moment to process that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, while Logan's recovering, we decided yeah. to chronicle kind of the the downfall of 2D animation, at least in how it pertains to DreamWorks animation. Um, because after Prince of Egypt, they experienced kind of diminishing returns on their following three 2D films. Yeah. And it could largely be attributed to the success of some other 3D animated films at the time, including DreamWorks' own Shrek. Yes. Um, it's very... Yeah. The most interesting part to me with this trilogy, and we will definitely talk about each film, but to me the most interesting part of each film in this trilogy is the production and the decisions that were made and also historically what was popular at the time these films are coming out. Yeah. And it's very clear... That every time they try to make something that will basically appeal to the people who are watching films at that time, it just doesn't really work. There's only one film in that trilogy that kind of makes six digits overall, or at least... Mm -hmm. uh, no, it's not six digits. Nine. Is uh, it nine? Nine digits. No, no, no. Wait. Gosh, nine digits would be hundreds of millions. It will, right? Yeah, because they make, they make... I think Spirit makes 120 yeah. million. Yeah, that's nine digits. Okay, let's see. There we go. I'm, I'm glad that the people on the podcast are listening to us just <laughs> do both, math in our heads. Yeah, here's, here's the thing. We're both still very tired <laughs> to a degree. And while this was a fun trilogy overall to kind of go back in time and kind of watch... Because to a point... Whether we have ties to these films or not, we kind of remember when these films came out. Yeah. And it will fascinate first with El Dorado, if we just jump right into El Dorado, is that this was a film I remember watching a lot on VHS and I think ultimately DVD, and you had never really seen this film all the way through. Uh, yeah, I remembered it, and like as a kid, I kind of lumped it in with like the Emperor's New Groove. Um, Which is kind of an insult to Emperor's New Groove. Oh, sure, now sure. Yeah. It again. But uh, yeah, I kind of just, it just missed me. And, and I remember the, the toys and the merchandising and the promotions. And it's always been, a, I've always been familiar with the film, but I never bothered to watch it because it was just not a part of my vernacular as a kid. Mm hmm. I've seen the memes, and... Which I keep forgetting there are memes. Oh, yeah. Because it's like... There's the whole, like, on one hand... There is, yes. And on the other hand... Yeah, like, like that, fiery depths of pain and whatnot. Right, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, World del Dorado is extremely fascinating production-wise because this is the one time, I would say, in DreamWorks' career, especially early on, where they tried to mathematically, to a degree, make... A Disney film without being Disney. Yeah. They, I mean, the kind of the maybe the most notable is hiring Elton John to do the soundtrack yeah, Elton or John, do the musical numbers, mm -hmm. which is kind by, of clear analog to Lion King yeah. several years earlier. Music by Elton John, lyrics by Tim Rice, both notably known for Lion King. The two writers for Road Del Dorado, uh, Ted Elliott and Terry Ruscio. Yep. They are the screenwriters for Aladdin. 
which is very obvious when you see right. this film because there's very some Aladdin inspirations throughout. You got the Hans Zimmer. Yeah, I think music you, or yes, score. You have John, Hans Zimmer with I think John Powell with yep. kind of helping out, and I think there are even some animators who worked on earlier, yeah. like I think worked on Aladdin, maybe some people who worked on Lion King who worked on this film. And when there's even sequences throughout the movie, like whether it's a musical number or whatever that goes and starts to play with like color in an abstract way. And it's like, oh, it's that scene from The Lion King where they're Mm -hmm. dancing and singing and nothing is real anymore. Guess what's so crazy, too, is like I think by the time Katzenberg leaves Disney and establishes DreamWorks in 1994 with the help of Spielberg and Amblin, I think by the time he does that. Lion King is not even out yet, and I think even by that point, Disney doesn't even necessarily know how meteoric that film is going to be. Yeah. Because I think for him, a lot of the people who were involved in Road to El Dorado he might have brought over are a lot of people who were on Aladdin and maybe some earlier Disney films. Right. And then it's crazy to see the Lion King do so incredibly well. And then in the process of going from, I think 95 is when the initial idea comes Mm -hmm. out or the initial idea where they're like, we want to do an Eldorado film. We want to do an Eldorado film. That's basically a Bob Hope and Bing Crosby road trip, (laughs) like scamp film, but with animation and also kind of build a series off of this. And then they just go into development it's apparently supposed to be because Katzenberg was very big at a certain point in his career in Disney, where it's like Disney's for babies. We need to hit it for a, we need to hit it for teens. Yeah, so and, there, yeah. There's kind of a lot more kind of racy humor and suggestive themes. It was supposed to be racier and sexier. Yeah, and it had to tone it down. <laughs> apparently, in the original script, one of the reasons why the natives think they're gods is because Miguel has like several death fakeouts in the film by mm. the time they get there. Wow. So it's like they think he's dead several times, <laughs> and so when he comes back at one point, then the right. uh, the El Dorado people are like, "Oh my god, <laughs> he's a god!" Jeez. And I think like Cortez, because Cortez is was supposed to be more of a prominent role, and yeah, he's doesn't pretty one. meager. Yeah, he's just there. His his theme is the shining theme. <laughs> yeah, which like <laughs> to a T. Yeah, it was literally the shining theme, and we all bah, lost it. Bah, 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 bah. Like, and, what, wait, <laughs> what? Yeah, and it's just like you see the film. It's very obvious where the the inspiration and also just the 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 history of a lot of the animators and a lot of people surrounding it who worked with Disney in some way, shape, or form, trying to create their own type of Disney without trying to be as kiddie as Disney and try to be maybe a little bit more, yeah, racier, a little bit more adult in a way. And what we get as a final product is a film that is fine. Yeah. It's pretty it's much cute. Yeah. It's got, I mean, it, it's understandable why anybody who grew up with the film would love it because it's got kind of, you know, charming, yeah. fun characters, mostly pretty animation when it's yeah. not, Cutting corners with 3D animation. Yeah, that was wild scenes. Certain scenes with crowds have, like, 3D animated people. Like, extras, yeah. And it's a 21-year-old film. Yeah. And it's very clear. Yeah, or (laughs) any of the gold in the film being CG. Uh, The gold looked like poop. Yeah. (laughs) It looked real bad at times, like shiny poop. And it was like, wow. But, yeah, no, I mean, it's clear, you know, I mean, because we watched this with our friend Adam, and he grew up on the film. I mean, it was, oh, yeah. par- I mean, it was part of his childhood. He's, he watched yeah. it a ton. You see, he loved I... the film, still loves it, even after, you know, watch rewatching it with us. And we, 
I mean, me even less than you, but neither of us have that same sort of personal affectation that's to the, it. That's the thing, too, is, like, I thought I really liked it, if not maybe loved it as a kid at times, yeah. until I talked to Adam about how many times he's seen it. <laughs> and then I watch it, I rewatch it this time with you two, and it's like, I am just not feeling yeah. really much this time around, which I feel like is most people who will watch this film now. Probably. Like, I feel like, I mean, it's not saying that it's bad to be in the minority in this situation, but I do feel like a lot of people who are like Adam and really love this film and see this as very much as like a cult classic that deserves more love right. than it should, I feel like I'm kind of in the majority that says, like, I think it's the fact that people are still kind of watching it. That should be enough. Yeah. Because there's, right. no, I don't think there's really enough here to be considered yeah, a classic. Yeah, there's not a lot in terms of, like... Emotion, emotional resonance or take home and the you know Tulio and Miguel the main characters are kind of just two emphasized personality traits of the same character yeah they're both versions of Aladdin but one's more one's optimistic one's more cynical, cynical. one's and more goofy and the other's a little yeah. more straight laced and they're it's just both like okay they're both very much feel like the vibe of a character who already was one of the weakest parts of his own film yeah yeah I mean, it's not, and I like Aladdin, I don't think Miguel and Tulio are bad characters. No. I just don't think, like, if Miguel or Tulio died in Road Dolorado, <laughs> I don't think I would feel anything. Yeah, they just never really get a chance to come into their own. Yeah. And that's exacerbated by the problem of, like, the movie doesn't really know what the villain is. That's the thing, too, is, like, there because is a... Because Cortez is established early no. in the film as, like, yeah. the impending threat, the antagonist. And in the meantime, while we're waiting on him to show up, the... I can't remember his name, but the, the sort of... The, the shaman kind of Mayan Yeah, the Mayan priest. chieftain guy. He kind of comes in as the antagonist, as somebody yeah. who, like, doubts their godhood, and that kind of sorts try, mm -hmm. tries to undermine them. Uh, but then, like, the finale of the film is kind of, like... Oh, wait, yeah, Cortez is the bad guy. Oh, but Cortez isn't going to do anything. Oh, the movie's over. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> like, they all, oh, okay. they, not all of them, because I do think Sinbad has this a little bit better, but I do think both this one and later on with Spirit, both have the issue of like, so is this the climax? No, oh, wait. Yeah, wait so wait, this wait, wait. is the climax. Oh, so there's two climaxes. Oh, okay. wait, it's, it's over? Fine. Oh, it's, oh, all, it's, it's over. No, all right. Right. Okay. Oh, it's a tight 90? Well, I guess I'm glad it's a tight less 90. Less than 90. Yeah. All three of these films are less than 90 minutes. But you know what? And this good is on, the longest one. Yeah, good on us. Good on. I mean, happy for us. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, again, I don't hate El Dorado. Again, it's hard not oh, to watch yeah. it and have some moments where it's like, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. But uh, here's, I guess here's the biggest hot take I guess I have about the film, and I don't know how... Anyone will react if I told them this. I don't think the music is that good in this movie. Yeah, I agree. It's, clearly, it's fine. It's clearly going for Lion King and never really hitting any of those heights. And yeah, it's but like, like, it almost kind of has an analog for all of the big song moments yeah. in Lion King, but none of them are as catchy or as meaningful or as memorable or have as much tie yeah. to the actual story. Yeah, and they're also shoehorned in. Yeah, they kind of like, come out yeah. of nowhere. The reason why it works in Lion King is because... They're musical numbers. Yeah. They work well in the film. Well, as in this film, yeah. there's one song. Only one of the original songs is used as a musical number. <laughs> the rest feel very similar to how they use 
Phil Collins's work in Tarzan or in Brother Bear. Yeah, where it's just let me sing to you yeah. what's happening on screen. Yeah, and listen, I know there's some people out there who don't like Phil Collins's work in Tarzan. I get that. There's a bit of nostalgia. There's a lot of nostalgia tied to that soundtrack of Tarzan. But going back into El Dorado, like I genuinely can't really med- remember like most of the lines of any of these songs. No, yeah. And then I watched the film, and I still probably could not tell you. <laughs> I know the first song. There's the line "El Dorado, the Magnificent." It's yeah, said a yeah, lot. just because we were repeating it the whole. Yeah. El Dorado. Yeah, and there's also it's tough to be a god, but when when I think of how to sing that song, I go, "It's tough to be a god." <laughs> right, yeah. I can't remember what the words are because it's like you watch that scene and while it is the only actual musical number in the film, it just doesn't hit anywhere near even the weakest musical numbers in yeah. Disney. It just kind of is there. It feels shoehorned in. Yeah. Which sucks because Elton John's talented as shit. Tim Rice is talented. They both were the the minds behind can you feel the love tonight? I just can't right, wait to right. be king. Like, they obviously are talented. It just doesn't feel like the music is made for this film. No. Like, honestly, I feel like if you cut the music from this film, not that it would make it better, but I don't think you'd be losing anything. Yeah. Like, I think the funniest thing that this music brings to the table for this film is the music video that Elton John did for one of the songs <laughs> where he becomes a DreamWorks animated character. <laughs> right, right. And it's the wildest thing. Cartoon Elton Yeah, and John. it's silly as shit, but it's funny at yeah. the same time. And I also there's also a weird thing to this film where it feels like it should be a journey movie or a road movie. Maybe it's because it, the road to El Dorado is the title, but they get to El Dorado in like the first act, yeah, like and then they just in. stagnate there for the entire time until oh wait, or should we leave or should we stay here? Conflict. The yeah, the film absolutely has the vibe of like. There's been several rewrites yeah. to the story, to certain things, where it's like the characters are definitely not what they were initially supposed to be. Apparently, the love interest Shell, plays by Rosie Perez, does a good job. Pretty much everyone, voice acting-wise, does a good job, but it's not to the point where it's like, man, I'm going to really remember this yeah. character. Well, and a lot, of, Yeah, and a lot of the problems that we see in this film or the things that kind of held us back from attaching to it those kind of become exacerbated in the following movies. Yes. And you kind of get the sense that, oh, maybe, you know, Prince of Egypt was kind of the one time that they really got all of these elements right at the same time. And it's like, okay, maybe it wasn't quite 3D animation that killed the 2D animation in this case. It was the 2D animation killing itself. (laughs) Not the animation itself, but, you know, the films that were 2D animated. Because what's funny, too, is I think what really hurts El Dorado is Prince of Egypt. Yeah. Because in the beginning process of Road to El Dorado, pretty much most of DreamWorks was working on Prince of Egypt, and there was a small subsection of people working on El Dorado. And they, they like, genuinely, when they started making films like Prince of Egypt, they wanted to make, like, these serious animated films that were for, like, teenagers. And when they did Prince of Egypt, even though it tested well and they were probably thinking it was going to do well, they thought to themselves, well, I don't know if we can do all these films like this. Maybe we should have a lighthearted, fun comedy in between our serious films. Here comes a complete rewrite of certain aspects of Rodel Dorado. You get some music. You get, again, the Bob Hope being Crosby-esque in uh, Kenneth Branagh's Miguel and Kevin Kline's Tulio. And, again, it's just an overall fine movie that is aged poorly animation-wise in terms of the 3D animation. Yeah. It's fine. 
Uh, I, but I do think that like it's hard not to see like how much those have aged when all the 2D animation looks great. Yeah. Like I think that character designs are great across each one of these films. I think that the, yeah. the I think one of the best designs in Road to El Dorado is definitely the Jaguar statue. Oh yeah. I think cuz I thought he was fully CG cuz I thought I was remembering like oh as a kid I think I remember that being CG but no he's mainly 2D and he's really extremely well animated. Yeah, he kind of gave me Iron Giant vibes even though the Iron Giant was a lot of times CG in his yeah, film. And better. Yeah, and it's, better. <laughs> it's one of those things, too, where it's like, I understand what DreamWorks is trying to do. I do think critics at the time were a bit too harsh on the film. Because a lot of people were yeah. just, people are, a lot of people in 2000 were just like, yeah, no thanks, you're not Disney. And it's like, well, I feel like there's actual, yeah, maybe there's some was, real issues we should talk on. Yeah, but. it was it was no thanks, you're not Disney. And also, like, the early 2000s, america of like oh i don't want my kids hearing them say suggestive things and and it's like i think this film was made on a 90 million if not a 100 million budget and it made back 95 million and it made 76 it was a bomb (laughs) it was a straight up bomb and it sucks because from that point onward it's very clear that they are scared to try that again. Because I do think yeah. if there was more time and they actually took some of the criticism in, not that I want another Eldorado film, but I feel like they could do something similar to that yeah. later on. But they don't. <laughs> DreamWorks' career post-Eldorado is odd because the next two films are Chicken Run, which is an <laughs> Ardman stop-motion animated film who the... the the studio behind Wallace and Gromit. Yep, it's their I first will, feature yeah, film. And I will fight to this day that Chicken Run is still genuinely great. I, <laughs> oh, that was I another film I loved as a kid. Watched the hell out of Chicken uh, Run. And then the next film after that is the film that I would truly say is one of the biggest nails in the coffin for 2D DreamWorks. Yeah. And that is Shrek. Somebody! Because because here's the thing. El Rodel Del Dorado had about a $95 million budget, made about seventy-five back. Yeah. Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron, was uh, less of a budget. I think it was like 70, 75. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Made about 120 million, which is the most all three of these films are yeah. going to make. Which is insane. Which, But at the same time, I don't know, it doesn't fully make its money back. Right. And then Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas, is the slowest budget with $60 million. And I believe yeah. it makes 80. Yeah. And then at that point, they're like, we're done with these 2D films. Shrek? Shrek makes nearly half a billion, half a billion dollars in two thousand one. Yeah, it dwarves everything else that year right. when it comes out, and it's really clear that like even though the fact that their DreamWorks' first three D animated film is Ants, Ants still makes more money than I think all three of Spirit I and El Dorado. So. And Sinbad. Not combined, but... But each of them, yeah. Yeah. Well, and you also have to think at the time, you know... I mean, at this point, 3D animated films are still kind of novel. I mean, I guess you could even argue today that they're still kind of novel in a way. But, like, at the time, it's like, you know, Toy Story was, what, uh, seven years prior? And so it's like, you know, they're... 3D animated films are, like, groundbreaking left and right. And like mm-hmm. breaking into new genres and different art styles and that sort of thing, and so everybody's flocking to these 3D animated films, even if they're not great, like Ants. Yeah. Um, 
Whereas, you know, the 2D animated films are starting to fall by the wayside. I mean, clearly Disney is kind of abandoning them at this mm-hmm. point. Um, yeah. After their 90s streak. You see, I think DreamWorks's attempt was to, with their new studio, have two different kind of lines. One trying to follow and try to compete with traditional Disney animation. Yeah. And one trying to compete with Pixar. Yeah. And when it gets to a point where, you know, when they first, when they do Ants, I, I don't think it comes close to Bug's Life. No, but it I, is, I also agree. I think it does critically all right. And yeah. it's a good start in terms of like, all right, now we can make other films. But all their 2D films just keep not going anywhere. Yeah, well, they and... also decided – it was almost like they decided too late to try and compete with Disney's 2D because by the time they really – DreamWorks mm-hmm. really starts pumping out these 2D films, Disney is moving away from 2D. Yeah. And it's well, like, well, Disney, well – Yeah, Disney is owns Pixar at the time. Right. Or at least so it's, it's like, like it's they're co- putting all their chips on yeah. Pixar. They're able to be like, yeah, sure, Emperor's New Groove didn't make enough money, <laughs> yeah. but fucking Dinosaur, which is, which is not even a Pixar <laughs> film. It's their own thing. Yeah. Makes so much money solely because it's a dinosaur film, it's 3D, and it's the 21st century. Yeah. People are just like, this is a novelty. We Dino- gotta see this. Was Dinosaur the only 3D animated Disney film before Frozen? At the t- no, 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 because there's Bolt, there's oh, Meet Bolt the Robinsons. Meet- yeah, I forget that, was, that those are Disney. That was also a dark period for <laughs> Disney where it's like, it's like they were kind of going down. Yeah. And then they came back with Tangled. But, oh, Tangled. Yeah. yeah, that's the one, not uh, Frozen. Which, I mean, was very much helped by John Lasseter. But, <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, going into the second, the third film of 2D DreamWorks, our second film in this trilogy, Spirit, Stallion the Cimarron, it is a vastly different type of film. And the best way to describe this film in three words is easy. Horse girl film. It is yeah. a film for girls who love horses. If you're a boy who loves horses, too, that's fine, but it very much feels like it fits more of a demographic that's trying to go for someone. It goes for more of a female demographic compared to a male demographic yeah. for Rodel Del Dorado. And it's very clear, too, that it's doing something vastly different in terms of its tone, in terms of its era, in terms yeah. of just overall. Spirit's biggest thing is, like, unlike Rodel Del Dorado, which has so much going on but not really much of substance, Spirit is pretty straightforward meditative and at worst kind of fucking boring at times yeah it's so stripped down i mean not only narratively but visually it's literally about a horse trying to escape slavery yeah yeah and just like get back to his family that's all it is yeah i mean it's interesting because even the animation like almost feels like they're trying to go for the kind of bleakness of the plains and the you know the west and it's like i mean that's cool that you're going for that but it it's not exactly interesting to look at. And mm-hmm. on top of that, you've got this incredibly bare-bones story about a horse who can't talk. He's a horse, except when they decide to do voiceover narration from Matt Damon yeah. as Spirit's internal monologue. So I could not clarify this in any kind of research I found. I did kind of like a quick <laughs> research in terms of was this the intention or not, and there really wasn't much on it. But it definitely feels like in Spirit... The internal monologue of Spirit is done by Matt Damon. Yeah. So think of like in like a a, a silly cliche where it's like, you're probably wondering how I got in this mess. (laughs) That's basically all of Matt Damon's lines in Spirit. Yeah, and it's literally every scene. They kind of have to stop and let Matt Damon explain what happened in case you didn't understand what just already happened. And it just, to me, feels so hard. Like they do previews of the film. It has no talking whatsoever. 
And then people are like, they're like, people are not understanding why the horse isn't talking or like the mouth isn't moving. We got to find a way to kind of make it more like Disney. It, fuck it. Internal monologue. Get a, get an actor. Fill him in on that role and let's try it. Hilariously, reportedly, Brad Pitt tried to do Spirit's voice and he was too dry. <laughs> and so they landed on Damon. And it's unfortunate because I do feel like in a lot of the best moments in this film, a lot of the great choices in terms of uh, shot composition, in terms of storytelling and the music working well, yeah. Matt Damon just fucking butts in and it's like, ah. Yeah, they cut back why? every moment by making it a voiceover. And it, I mean, it's yeah. kind of like it's kind of like the Blade Runner syndrome, like Blade Runner oh. theatrical cut where they the studio didn't think people would follow it. So they were like, oh. Let's bring Harrison Ford back in to do voiceover narration in the film. And Harrison's just kind of droning on and on about what's happening on screen because he doesn't care. Because why should he? If, if Harrison wants to retire from acting, I feel like there should be a clause in that retirement mm. where he will come back if, they, if studios want him to narrate <laughs> lazily for films they're worried are going to flop if there's not a narration. Because, like, that narration in Blade Runner is fucking jarring, but I love just how he does not oh, it's, care. Yeah, it's the peak, like, grumpy Harrison Ford it's, not doing what the studio wants him to do, or doing it at so, the bare minimum. So perfect. Yeah. And with Spirit, it's... Again, it, it just... This one caught me off guard more than pretty much, I think, the other two films to a degree, because it's like, I'm watching Spirit, and it's like, I'm not really hating this. I'm actually kind of liking how, like... After El Dorado, where El Dorado is like the whole time is like, look at me, I'm fun, I'm worthwhile, I have music, love me. Spirits just like has the consists like the tone and like the vibe of like Sam Elliott in a rocking chair telling you a story. Yeah, it's just so plain. It's so stripped down. It's very naturalistic looking. Like much more muted colors, earth tones, (laughs) wide shots of the plains, and just the horizon stretching out in front of you. You get Brian Adams to do the soundtrack. (laughs) Yeah, you get you get kind of a grizzled, worn down Brian Adams doing. I guess his best attempt at, you know, an, an Elton John or a Phil Collins soundtrack. Yeah. And, and even it's just though like, why did, why did, why are we here? Here's another hot take. I think that Brian Adams' involvement in spirit makes a lot more sense and is kind of a little bit better than Elton John. Not saying the oh, songs are sure. good. Yeah, I wouldn't say I the songs like, are as good. No. But it makes more, he's a better fit. Yeah, I don't even like the songs in Spirit. I just think like, no, when he came in, I was like, well, I feel like this film's not even trying to make me remember the lyrics. <laughs> it's just like trying yeah. to give me like a, a It's like a little a more atmospheric. Vibe. It's it's more, it's like a, uh, it's a kid's movie going for, like, the, like the Nick Cave and Warren Ellis stuff that's in, like, Taylor Sheridan's movies. Where yes. It's, like, kind of atmospheric uh, lyrical songs in the background. It's, like, he's just, like, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's, like, uh-huh. yeah. And you it's just like, expect him to start right. kind of singing about America. Yeah, you feel like, like you don't know if you want to salute or pet the horse. That's the kind of vibe the songs <laughs> give off. Or turn it off. Yeah. Or turn it off. Cause, I mean, again, that's the thing, too, is, like, honestly, even though it sounds like I might like this film more than uh, El Dorado, oh, I would I would probably want to watch El Dorado again. El Dorado is just more fun. Yeah, but at the same time, I feel like quality-wise, it's not a huge gap. Yeah, like, yeah. I honestly would probably rate them more, like, the same, but I would say El Dorado's more of a strong, like, a strong three out of five, and then Spirit's like a light three 
Yeah, I mean, I would almost go for like a two, two and a half for Spirit just because of how dry it is. And that's a completely understandable. I just And I would almost admire it more if it just committed to the, oh, none of the animals talk. And instead of beating me over the head with Matt Damon's monologues every scene. Yeah, I mean, No I offense to Matt Damon because he does a fine job, but there's <laughs> literally no reason for him to be there. No, but I do think that, in my opinion, I, I kind of like Spirit more as a character than both Miguel and Tulio. <laughs> and that's main, and that's excluding the Mad Damon. That's just because you're a horse like, girl. Logan. I guess I truly am, deep yeah. down. I've never really admitted it to myself. You were at DashCon. <laughs> oh, gosh. Logan was at DashCon. No. You heard it here, everybody. <laughs> I had to, I, yeah, it definitely was if I have to kind of <laughs> remind in my brain what that is. Uh, okay. And I kind of do, but I don't know. Just go watch the internet historian video about it on YouTube. Yeah, I think Sarah Zed also does a video about okay. it. I've just never watched it because I'm like, I don't know if I want to cringe right now about all this <laughs> But uh, no, I think it's just to me, I really, I I think I enjoy how Spirit is animated. Very similar to like, I think the closest Disney thing in that film is that because it reminds me of like in Lion King where they would watch fucking lions for hours on end and try to like animate how they would move and whatnot. And Spirit definitely feels like a horse at times. Yeah, the way the horses are animated is pretty great. And Um, And he's also just, it's weirdly like, extremely smart at times where it's like there's the whole scene where they're trying to push a train up a hill and yeah, he knows and he goes like, and breaks all the chains so yeah. that all the horses can he, break free he knows where and... he knows that if he faints they'll take the chains off of him to try yeah, to get him this out horse of the way. plays dead like what the horse plays dead spirit knows how to play dead it's great yeah it's funny as hell and i also like the fact that like very much different than el dorado el dorado has bunches and bunches of different characters well as in spirit there's like, there's like spirit spirit his love interest i think is named rain well she yeah uh, she's barely a character yeah the native american friend little of creek. his little creek and then the colonel yeah, played by james basically custer colonel custer. yeah not custer basically <laughs> is what his name is in the film and they're all fine they yeah. all serve their purpose and it's, little more. It's literally, yeah, it is like, if you have a kid who likes animals, specifically horses, I can see you putting this film on, leaving them there for 90 minutes, and they should be satisfied. Yeah, the film is just perfunctory all the way through. It's it, just serving a function. It is hilarious, though, out of all three of these films, this is the one that gets the resurgence that ultimately leads to another film. Right. Well, a that, series and then another film. Yeah, Spirit Untamed, which is not tied to this film in any yeah, way. Which is why we decided to do this trilogy, to time up with the recent release, Spirit yeah. Untamed. Next yeah. week we'll be doing a, a frequel. No. Yeah. And Andy's gonna I'm be, doing that by myself. Yeah, Andy's going to talk about Planes and Spirit Untamed. Yeah, it'll be <laughs> a big... Big blowout episode, just Andy. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it. We'll find another film that I don't want to talk about that Andy does, and we'll do it. At, that'll be the Andy's Leftovers trilogy. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. Spirit. It's just, a, and I mean, it just really makes kind of looking back. Maybe it's unfair to view it through a, a lens, you know, almost twenty years later. But uh, you know, it, it really kind of gives the feeling of like, you know, uh, this was your idea to keep these kinds of movies alive yeah. like what's sad though, this is how you're competing with shrek and finding nemo and i, I mean the thing Toy though, story the thing though too is this is actually this is the film that's trying to compete against like atlantis the lost empire wow that's true that's the thing too is but like, even i mean those movies were far less successful than yeah than the 3d movies that's the thing too is like people ever i think dreamworks was definitely the the front runner trying to be like disney's in a slump 
you know they have right, they have yeah. they have a they have a missing piece of armor. We can like find that weak spot and we can take their throne. <laughs> yeah. And they just could never even get close to that until yeah. Shrek happens. Right. And Shrek basically just I mean over encompasses all of DreamWorks and pretty much all of the two D traditional Disney. Yeah. Because like they weren't worried about like oh Shrek's better than Pixar films, but it was very clear that like oh my god. This is our trilogy. This is our series. Yeah, this is like, our temple. We, we, we got to make Shrek. And it's funny to think, too, that, like, after Road to El Dorado kind of goes nowhere as a film, I mean, the next film that Ellie and Rocio do is the Shrek films, or at least the first two Shrek films. <laughs> right, right. Which arguably, I mean, I guess this is a hot take. Shrek 2 is a much better film than Shrek 1, but I don't think Shrek 1's bad. Sure. I like Shrek 1 a lot. I tend to the to the belief that Shrek Two is overrated, but that's, that's fair. Yeah, listen, fair. I I don't think any of the Shrek films are Citizen Kane. <laughs> no. I'm just saying I think the scene in Shrek Two where Puss in Boots has catnip on a cop show. Oh yeah, it's just a very funny scene. Yeah, I think I'm just tired of the rhetoric of the the I need a hero bit trumps anything in Shrek One. It's, ah, it's fine. It's a fine sequence. I. I, I I, that's the thing is I love that sequence, but I can get I see where you're coming from. Yeah, that sequence like made me shiver as a kid. I like <laughs> genuinely loved it. I was like, "What is this?" Yeah, it was like this is like I know this song, but this cover's great. Uh man, I wish we could do a Shrek trilogy, but we really can't. It's not quite odd enough. No, well, I mean, I think the the if if I we mean, did this, if we wanted to justify it, we could yeah, justify it. We and could, I'm we sure could justify our thirty viewers would not crucify us for yikes. that. <laughs> Why you got a hit like that, man? And if it is just thirty viewers, we're still happy to have yeah. you. Well, first off, please don't listen, crucify us. Listeners, listeners, what are they, what are they viewing, Andy? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know what? They, maybe maybe one day I'll set up a camera. See how you like it. <laughs> That'll be for Andy's leftovers trilogy. It'll just be a single camera, straight for me drinking while I talk about planes and spirit untamed I, for two hours. I love that idea so much. <laughs> unironically, all right. Let's get into the last film, okay? Because this is the most recent one we've watched because yeah. we watched it right before we recorded. Yeah, and to be honest, I think this one's a little bit of an uptick yes, after yeah. after Spirit. Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah, I, it I is think, weird. I I think I might like this one the most. This, yeah, I would I say I might have gotten the most out of it. I think so. And a huge part of that is I think honestly it's the best animated of the three. That's the despite weirdest. having the lowest budget. It had the low. It had thirty five less million dollars yeah. than I guess fucking it's a, El Dorado. Yeah, I guess it's evidence for in favor of the old like filmmaking adage that yeah, limitations guess, breed creativity. Yeah, because like the first part of Simbad is a is a sword fight sequence because they're trying to take over a ship, and all the sword fighting is like really fun. Yeah, I'm like, oh my god, this is well animated. Like <laughs> I'm loving like all the different moves they're doing and like what is happening yeah. because this is the film I think we both had the least tied to yeah i i had actually seen it uh like a like some after school program in elementary school but i didn't really remember it i saw it at like a grandparent's place yeah where it's like they were off with the adults and i was right, like right. oh what's here in this basement that i can watch <laughs> sin bad i guess sin bad? Oh, bad that sounds like a movie i shouldn't be watching i'm gonna watch it <laughs> it's i think it also was like <laughs> Not the actual film. It was, like, on a taped VHS. Oh, man. So it just said Simbad. And I was like, is this, like, a DreamWorks? Is that the DreamWorks movie? So it's like, yeah, this was the film that, like, 
I think we had the lowest anticipation of because we were like, God, El Dorado didn't do much for us. Spirit didn't do much for us. I Just think bring process, us home. Process, bring us home yeah, process of elimination. Come on, Brad Pitt, take me away. Yeah. And surprisingly, it's just really f- it's it's fun enough. Yeah. That's the thing too. Is like it still falls in that fine yeah. category that this whole yeah. trilogy is. This but. is I, this is going to sound like a complaint or like I'm dissing the film when I'm not. I mean, this is like visually, it's it's this much fun that I feel like you could have this film on mute and just have conversations over it, and you would still have a good time any time you looked at the screen. Because yeah. it's like, ooh, I like that frost owl yeah, giant we're, monster we're bird. mixing mythologies and going on a world, a globe-trotting adventure. Yeah, I love or, it. It's not a globe, it's a flat earth. I love movie, my but... Greek-Roman-Arabic Sinbad film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it is funny, though, thinking about that uh, Brad Pitt was supposed to narrate spirit and it ended up not working out because he was too dry because my first reaction to sinbad's voice acting done by brad pitt in this film (laughs) is that brad just feels uh, too casual and too dry to fit with the expressive animation of sinbad i mean he gets the cool down Mm -hmm. obviously because he's brad pitt and he's cool but it's just a little like there's just a little bit more going on in the animation than there is in his voice and it throws me off yeah so with the production process with this film, it's, it probably has the least amount of information I could find because I feel like most people give this film the least amount of shits compared yeah. to the other ones because this was the one that technically kills 2D DreamWorks. Yeah. But it's very interesting because this film basically was born out of – at a certain point in the early 90s, there was even a chance where like Disney was trying to make a Sinbad film and it fell through. And then after Gladiator – after Gladiator becomes the success that it is, Katzenberg <laughs> approaches the Gladiator screenwriter and is like, is there something, we need to do something that I feel like could be Gladiator-esque, and what would you like to do? And screenwriter John Logan basically says, I would be fine with doing a Sinbad movie. Right. And so they make the Sinbad film that I think, again, similar to El Dorado, is a little bit more racier, a little bit more uh, adult yeah, and then it gets cut down a bit, especially after Spirit's reception, right, right. where it's like, okay, we we made money, but like not enough. Yeah, but this did better than El Dorado, so yeah, follow and, suit. Because that's the thing too is while they're making Sinbad, and while I think Spirit is in the final stages of production, by the time Sinbad comes out, DreamWorks is in uh, debt and <laughs> uh, like almost to the point of bankruptcy. Yep, and they need a hit. And unfortunately, Sinbad is not that hit, even though they have they put less money into it. They pushed it. <laughs> well, as they m- had less money. Yeah, they probably did. I mean, they, they push it as a swashbuckling adventure that kids will love. And you think in your mind, like, ooh, pirates are fun. You know, Pirates of the Caribbean made people yeah. really love the films, like really love pirates again. So maybe, yeah, maybe it did work. Here's the thing, and I'm not fucking with you when I say this. This movie comes out... About a week, maybe in two weeks after the Curse of the Black Pearl releases, which yeah. is and you know what's also funny about that? That film is also written by the screenwriters of Road to El Dorado and Shrek. Oh, that's awesome! So they they had yeah. so many hit films in the span of five. Like, yeah, they had so many films. Well, not hits because El Dorado's not a hit. It's like, when, so a, it's like when a, a star athlete gets traded to another team and then beats the team that they were like for the championship. It's so wild to think that like that happened yeah and it's so wild to think that like it's because like when we were watching Sidbed, i was like did pirates of the caribbean come out yet at this point like why did this movie flop 
to this extent where it's like, yeah, it's not as much of a flop as Road to El Dorado, but it's also like, obviously there was something else that was out around this time that kind of fucks this movie box office wise. And yeah, it's this movie, Pirates of the Caribbean. This movie comes out in early July. Pirates comes out in late June, two thousand three. There you go. They it, as soon as I learned that, I looked at Andy and went, "I know why this movie got <laughs> fucked." It's because Curse of the Black Pearl was such a hit. Yeah, out of the gate, it was a if, way more yeah. fun pirate movie. Yeah, that the, season. yeah. Then when Sinbad comes out, you go, "Nah, I don't give a shit. I'm yeah. gonna go see Pirates of yeah. the Caribbean a third, fourth time." <laughs> and it's like, my God, what horrible timing! Terrible like timing, truly yeah. poor timing which i think in their mind they might have been like i mean i wouldn't be surprised if they're like one it's a live action film and two come on you really think the film based off of a theme park ride yeah be good? i have to imagine pirates of the caribbean was kind of a surprise hit i think it was i mean because like what else really was a theme park ride film that disney had that made this much yeah money? well and Dis- disney disney wasn't making like gritty bombastic live action blockbusters yeah i mean we got to a point now in filmmaking where every time i see the fucking jungle cruise trailer i go (laughs) the curse the black pearl did so well yeah we are now at this point in time where a jungle cruise cruise. literally a quote-unquote ride at disney world which is just a disney actor doing a good job being a a fucking cruise ship. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's when am I so going to get my live-action adaptation of Mr. Toad's Wild Ride? Oh. oh, if only. If only, Andy. That that ride scarred me as a kid. I would gladly re-traumatize myself on, gonna... on, on the big screen. I just had a really... <laughs> I was like, when are they going to make a Splash Mountain film? <laughs> Wait, hold on. I'm looking it up right now. Turns out they did, and uh, never mind what I just said. <laughs> Oh, man, but yeah, what poor timing. And it's yeah. also the fact that, like, this film is really just, like, this is, this is like, the perfect, like, it's Sunday and you're scrolling through HBO. Yeah. There's Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas. I'll put it on. Yeah, it, it, it gives me, honestly, a lot of vibes of, like, Hercules, except that, you know, Hercules was kind of saved by a little bit more unique art style and just the fact that it had kind of the Disney touch on it. Uh, which this this movie is clearly lacking, but it's a similar vibe of like, oh, we're kind of reimagining mythology and we're yeah. traveling around this universe we're creating, and there's all these fantastical creatures, but there's just not there's a su- super great core to it, emotional core. Or yeah, it, it, the comedy the comedy's kind of hit and miss. There's not much comedy, yeah, but Sim- there's also not a lot for adults. Simbad's quote unquote arc as a character has the same emotional resonance as if anyone's seen rick and morty the iced tea joke where it goes like i can feel now i care yeah yeah, that's how sinbad feels yeah he's just a rascal the whole movie and then at the end he's like oh let me sacrifice my life well he very much has the vibe of like a worse version of jack sparrow where it's like i'm i'm a bad guy i steal things you should hate me but it's like Nah, you're a rogue. You're yeah. a lovable rogue. You're a scam. You're Brad Pitt. You're you're totally not Harrison Ford in a pirate outfit. You're not <laughs> Han Solo, but I have this vibe that you right. might be. And that's kind of what his character is. I mean, the most interesting character to me personally is Joseph Fiennes as Proteus. Yeah, he only, was a surprise yeah. gem. Only because you see him and you're like, oh, he's uptight. He used to be friends with Simbad. He's probably going to look down on Simbad. And it's like, no. No, he's incredibly progressive. And, yeah. like, open-minded and kind of, you know, thinking the best of people, including Sinbad, which is why the whole 
story happens because um, he thinks the most of Sinbad. If, if Tumblr at one point thought Miguel and Tulio were bicons, I feel like Proteus and Sinbad yeah. deserves that love more because yeah, there's, honestly, there's some genuine relationship, kind of friendship vibes, chemistry between the two of them that I liked and was like, wow. I did not expect this character that I thought would just have his nose up the whole time and be like, my word, Simbad, <laughs> you're a scoundrel. Yeah. And it's like, instead, like, no, Simbad, no, under- you used to be cool as shit. Why are you being this way? And it's yeah. like, oh, Proteus, stop it. <laughs> uh, it. I mean, that's the thing, too. Is like This is also hilariously the film with, I think, the most recognizable cast. Yeah. Where you have Brad kind of Pitt, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Joseph Fiennes, who I think at this time Joseph Fiennes is mainly known for Shakespeare and Love. Shakespeare and Love, and wasn't he, he was in a war movie, wasn't he? He probably was. I mean, he's, at that time. Thin I, Red Line? Or no, that's Jim Caviezel. That's Caviezel, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, and it's also Michelle Pfeiffer, who plays oh, yeah. uh, basically sexy Ursula. Yeah. Or it's like. It's, well, or, you know, yeah. if you're into Ursula, then. Another sexier. Yeah, it's like, it's almost like someone was like, I found these old, like, these old Disney, like, sketches of, like, (laughs) what Ursula's sister would look like, which ultimately in the directed dv the directed video Little Mermaid 2, it's just a skinny Ursula. It's like Katzenberg looked at it and went, make it hot. Yeah. Make it cool. Because, like, again, Eris is actually really cool and fun. Yeah. To a degree where it's just like, she's, she's the goddess of chaos, so obviously... Her whole goal in the film is to literally be, like, uh, a, a director or a writer just throwing toys <laughs> yeah. and, like, wrenches into situations. Oh, here's an obstacle. Like, yeah, like, oh, you're going to get here? No. Freeze. Yeah. Ice Age time. It's a definite step up from Cortez in El Dorado, but it yeah. still kind of feels like she's a little, mm-hmm. like, absent from the film. Yeah, he's she's, she's kind of there at the beginning and then again at the end and then kind of a little bit shows up in between. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like she she pretends like she doesn't care but still kind of involves weirdly at random times where yeah. it's like, oh, now this is a point where I feel like, oh, they're too far. So let me put an ice <laughs> age on there. But then as soon as they, like, overcome the ice situation, she doesn't put another threat in front of them. Right. Like, she has, like, what, five or six, like, uh, constellation monsters she could yeah. use. And she uses what? Two of them? Two. I think yeah. she uses two of them, and then it's like, you could just, like, you know, throw them all like at all them. of them, yeah. yeah. Just throw them all they on They would there. be dead but, immediately. Yeah. Actually, just throw the Kraken monster on top of the ship. They're dead. It's <laughs> yeah. done. Cause it's, but at the same time, it's like, yeah. it's like, nah, they're on an adventure. You, you, yeah. well, she'll only get involved we'll get them next time as she shakes her fist. Yeah, curse you, Simbad, you sexy I'll guy. I'll see you in 20 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> I'll be back in five with a, a new little bag of tricks. Right. It, it very much has the vibe that, like, it definitely was supposed to be a film that saved DreamWorks, but at the same time, it's like they felt like they threw all their eggs in one basket to be like, this might be the only time we can do this, so like, let's make it as bombastic and crazy as possible. Because yeah. Simbed basically goes through multiple Uncharted scenarios and multiple <laughs> yeah. Indiana Jones scenarios in a 90 minute span. Yeah. And then, like, at the end of it, like, at the end of the film, it's like the whole point of the film is like he's supposed to get the Book of Peace. Right. Because he was framed, and Eris has the Book of Peace, so he has to get the Book of Peace. But he doesn't, because he lied to himself. <laughs> and so he's like, well, I'm going to have to go, you know, die so Proteus doesn't. And then they get back, like, what seems like a day after that, even though it took him days to get to where yeah. they were going. 
And then like Eris is like, all right, you, you win. You're a good guy. I see you care now. Here's the book. I'll get you next time. Jeez. And then it ends. Yeah. Every single one of those films just ends. And it's like, oh, is that it? Yeah. Okay. Fine. Like it's like I I it's 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 one of those really, really I think it's again so much more fascinating to talk about these films in terms of like the meta. Yeah, just in the in terms of the production and the meta of just like this is at a this is almost a decade spanning of like from ninety four to two thousand four. We have ninety four being the inception of DreamWorks and we have two thousand four basically by this point in two thousand four. 2D DreamWorks is practically dead. Yeah. I think, I mean, if they make anything, don't they? I think they make a direct-to-video. I think it's early 2000s. Maybe it's after Sinbad. But they make, like, not a Prince of Egypt sequel, but they make, like, Joseph. Oh, the Joseph and the Coat of Many Colors or whatever. Yeah, they they make, like, a Joseph film that's direct-to-video. Yeah, yeah. And that's, like, really... All of, like, 2D DreamWorks animation that we get... Really until the resurgence with their deal with Netflix, where we've gotten, like... Voltron, She-Ra, right, we've got right. like even a Turbo. Yeah, before the age of streaming, <laughs> yeah, they were pretty much dead. Yeah, pretty much after Simbad, they go. It's 3D. We're yeah, doing 3D yeah. only. We're going up against Pixar because Disney's not getting. Disney's like doing fucking Home on the Range next year. We'll yeah. be fine if we just stick to Shrek Two and well, yeah. Build out and from I was there. kind of going into this trilogy expecting kind of with the mindset of like. You know, expecting to talk about how, oh, how 3D animation killed 2D animation. But then watching these films, it feels more like the Eric Andre meme where Eric turns around and shoots Hannibal. And then he's like, who killed Hannibal? It's like they put out three mediocre animated movies. And then they're like, wait. I guess we can't do this anymore. See, like, that's the <laughs> it's thing like, too. Is well, like, maybe if you made them good. I guess this is another hot take. I, I had vibes watching El Dorado. And Sinbad, not really Spirit, because it's not in the same vein, but, like, I watched those and had vibes of, like, how when I watched Treasure Planet now, I go, God, this could have been fantastic. Uh-huh. I think it's pretty good. Solid. It's solid, but, like, it really, it's honestly the design of the characters and John Silver's and world, what people yeah. love about it. The yeah. actual plot and stuff, it's, like, it's bare bones Treasure Island, and it's fine and pretty good altogether. But the difference is, though, is, like... I think all of Disney's kind of misses, even in the early 2000s, excluding Home on the Range, are so much vastly more interesting. Yeah. It's like you have Emperor's New Groove, which is also a film that's pretty clearly like rewritten, rewritten to shit. Was originally supposed to be, I think, a Lion King sequel or a Lion King-esque <laughs> film yeah. and then became something vastly different. But I think that is a film that arguably is now a kind of a cult classic yeah. in our ge- generation that deserves the love because yeah, I think it's, it's actually hilarious. well written. Yeah. yeah, Demon Llama still makes me laugh. Yeah, to this day, like th- I don't know how that guy does that voice for that llama, yeah. but I think about it when it makes me it makes me smile every time. <laughs> or like with Atlantis, The Lost Empire, not a great movie, but like fascinating the, premise. The Mike Mignola artwork, yeah, like the guy from Hellboy does the character designs, yeah, and it looks nothing like any other Disney film, right, and it's right. so much more fascinating. Just trying to see how they're making this all work, especially yeah. the 3D. And then Treasure Planet, which... Sci-fi pirates? Dope. Yeah. You you have a John Silver who has the dopest metal arm known to man. Yeah. And, like, a cute little plot You get monster. Joseph Gordon-Levitt with a rat tail and a high and tight on his sail surfboard. And you get, like, a goofy... You get the DreamWorks Crescent Moon that's actually a space station. Oh, my gosh. And also Iconic. You, 
And also, you get Goo Goo Dolls that Goo Goo don't dolls. work in the film. <laughs> that song, those songs, man, those yeah. took me out like immediately when I watched <laughs> those films. Like when I watched it like a month yeah. or so ago. But they still have that, you know, the, all yeah. those films have that distinct charm, whether it's the premise or the, you know, the kind of craft of the world that even, they put in. Even and, fucking Prince of the, uh, Princess and the Frog, which is yeah, not a great film either, sure. I think is really good yeah. and really fun and has some good music in there. And is just it just I don't it sucks because it's like I do think there is a part of Disney, especially with our generation, especially with older Zoomers, where it's like you have this vibe that like you know Disney's perfect. Disney always makes killer great content, right. when in reality, a lot of these films do have parts that haven't aged well. Yeah, and overall, just like are still, especially in the two thousands, still really faulty films. Mm-hmm. But at the same time. I, I Lilo and Stitch is better than any of like the latter 2D DreamWorks oh, films. Yeah, absolutely. Like all of kind of like Disney's quote unquote misfires are so much in, more interesting. Yeah. And I think just by the end of it, as much as I appreciate DreamWorks trying to do different things with each film to a degree, it just yeah, it just comes down to the fact that it's just not working. And there it's still like even after the even after their fourth 2D film after their after Prince of Egypt was so good, two through four just feel like they're still trying to feel out what they want to do. Yeah, like two hundred and fifty million dollars later, like it's yeah, like, they're just like, uh, okay, let's try this. Okay, that didn't work. Okay, let's try this wild idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, horse girl. It's like okay, yeah. yeah instead uh, of kind of pirates. building on the you know few elements that did work in each film, they yeah. just kind of try you know they swing for the fences every time and. And their, and their yeah. next and their next two films for DreamWorks are Shrek Two and Shark Tale. Shark Tale is an awful movie, That's but that true. movie makes money. Yeah, well, <laughs> so does Shrek Two, and so it's like it's very clear that like the decision to go to 3D was truly the best decision DreamWorks could have ever made. Well, it's also Shark Tale also has the involvement of Martin Scorsese, so it's cinema. That film is cinema. I always forget he's in that. <laughs> Or the fact that, like, the Marley Sons are in it. Oh, yeah. And Angelina Jolie. Yep. Renee Zellweger. Obviously, Jack Will. Smith. Black. Yeah. Robert De Niro. I am just telling you now Smart. why, how could, DreamWorks had way too much money it's to spend. It's the hip and cultured Finding Nemo. How, how did a company two years prior that was going bankrupt could just come back with, like, yeah. here's a cast, a star-studded cast of some of the biggest names of the era and also past eras in the ugly fish shark film. Yeah. It is a really ugly movie. It's an ugly film. Uh, their version of Car Wash is fun. Yeah, that's probably the sequence that I remember the best of that movie. And every, I mean, the the Marley's uh, cover of Everything's Gonna Be Alright. Oh, yeah. Three Little Birds is pretty good. I had the Shark Tale CD. Oh, did you? I there is a there is a part of my uh, childhood. I could like play that and trigger some uh, some suppressed memory. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I'm I'm already thinking about yeah. it now. It's very similar with the Cars soundtrack. Did ever talk about this on the Cars uh, podcast? Where it's like Shaboom, Life is a Highway, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Real Gone by Shania Twain. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. those songs like. They, I, I get shivers down my spine because I remember how much I listened to that soundtrack. Oh yeah! And I, at that time, I was like, "Ooh, DreamWorks, I'm gonna watch it. Ooh, Disney, I'm gonna watch it." Like it is like it was that time where it's like as a kid. Yeah, it's just th- animation. You're yeah. just gonna eat it up. And you know, as yeah, for 2D DreamWorks, 
if you're looking for films just to keep them busy and not really, I guess, harm them in terms of like, you know, horrible ideas thrown out their way, none of the 2D DreamWorks films... I don't know, Sinbad touts the flat earth theory. And also says women can't drive. That's true. Which is just (laughs) hearing Brad Pitt look and say with seriousness, that's why women can't drive. (laughs) In a joke where it's like, wow, that's the era. That doesn't feel ironic enough. (laughs) Yeah, it is. uh, That is the fall of 2D DreamWorks. Yeah, they did it to themselves, kind of, sort of. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, they again they they kind of they to a degree try to keep hitting past the fence and they kept missing to yeah. the point where after three strikes they were out and they just fucking they just had yeah. to commit to what was working yeah and, which was trek yeah and here we are the rest we're, is history the rest is now we're getting a shrek 5 i think is in development yeah like i heard semi- about that so like that's kind of where dreamworks is at right now but uh Next time we do a trilogy, it thankfully is not going to be uh, anything scary. It's actually going to be something kitty. Kitty. Yeah, we're here. we're we're doing something that is a uh, yet an, a series that I think has more nostalgic value to yeah, both I think of it's us beloved collectively, by both of us. and it's a it's a cultural staple. It's an American staple. <laughs> In honor, we're, we're doing it on Fourth of July weekend, July third, two weeks from now. Yes. We're doing Logan. You want to drop it for him? No, no. I think you're you're getting so excited. Okay, you should okay, do okay. it. You should do it. We're doing the trilogy about the iconic heroes in a half shell, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the '90s films. Well, yes. is the first one '89? No, the first one was '90. '90. It's in the '90s. So yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Two: Secret of the Ooze, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Turtles in Time. It's absolutely going to be a one episode <laughs> oh yeah and it's not because we don't have enough to talk about we absolutely have enough to talk about with those three but we thought well andy thought i'm not gonna take his idea away in honor of you know fourth of july and, fourth you know, of july pizza new york yeah america yeah. what's more american Skateboards. than what's more american than like cheese on a pizza yeah, <laughs> a cheese yeah. pull on, a, on an italian dish <laughs> italian american or an dish. americanized on, americanized italian yeah. dish so yeah, on July 3rd, we're going to be taking next week off, and on July 3rd, we're going to be doing the 90s Ninja Turtles. But and in- that's not all of our Ninja Turtles content so do you that we got in- coming at you. Yeah, we'll so... go ahead and spoil. So <laughs> July 3rd, 90s Ninja Turtles. No one, Logan, what's after that? No one can see that Andy right now is more jazzed than he's been <laughs> this entire episode talking about this, and I'm so excited. But a week after that, on July 10th, we are doing... The last three Ninja Turtles films. Yeah, the Ninja Turtles of the 21st century. <laughs> yes, the 21st century Ninja Turtles, where we will be covering the animated film that came out in 07 and both of the Michael Bay produced Ninja Turtles films. Yeah. So for two weeks. Two weeks straight of we Ninja are, Turtles. We content. are doing six Ninja Turtles <laughs> films and two weeks. And to be honest, this is going to be truly a trip, and I'm excited for oh, this. Yeah. I think it'll be a good time. It's good. It's top of the summer. Oh peak yeah, summer. Fun. Summer of our trilogies. Summer of our trilogies. What 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 better way our to follow summer. up? <laughs> what better to follow up with our trilogy summer more than the '90s Ninja Turtles yeah. films? So yeah, tune in on July 3rd when we do the '90s Ninja Turtles films. But until then, I'm Logan Sowash and I'm Andy Carr. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.